I'll be with you in the sunrise. I'll be with you when the shadows fall. In your dreams, in your wakefulness, I'll be with you always. I'll be with you in the sunrise. I'll be with you when the shadows fall. In your dreams, in your wakefulness, I'll be with you always. I'll be with you in the sunrise. I'll be with you when the shadows fall. In your dreams, in your wakefulness, I'll be with you Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton's online Zoom service. I am Karen Belita. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I serve the Unitarian Church of Edmonton as the president of the Board of Trustees. We are a liberal, multi-generational religious community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free thinking, spiritually questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, including diversity of beliefs, from divine believers to humanists, from pagans to atheists and agnostics. We believe in the compassion of the human heart, the warmth of community, the pursuit of justice, and the search of meaning in our lives. Whether you've been part of our congregation for decades, or this is your first time visiting, we welcome you. Whatever the faith and traditions of your past, we welcome you. Whatever your theological stance, we welcome you. Whatever your heritage, we welcome you. Whoever you are and whomever you love, we welcome you, the whole of you. We especially welcome any visitors who might be with us today. We invite you to go place your name and contact information in our online guest book, which you can find on the uce.ca website. I welcome everyone to join us after the service in a special community conversation in regards to the future of the direction of UCE. The conversation will begin right after our announcements. We acknowledge that we are on Treaty 6 territory, home of First Nations, Métis and Inuit people over many centuries. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to all of our children. <laughs> I'm Reverend Leanne Washington, and I'm blessed to be serving as the Unitarian Church of Edmonton's Interim Minister. This month's theme is Beloved Community. The term beloved community was coined by the 20th century American philosopher Josiah Royce, who lived from 
1855 to 1916. Royce was an idealist, and he posited that the ideal community is a beloved community made up of all those who would be dedicated fully to the cause of loyalty, truth, and reality itself. Three years before his death, Royce wrote, my life means nothing, either theoretically or practically, unless I am a member of a community. Reverend Dr. Mark Morrison Reed, a retired UU minister who served the UU congregation in Toronto, penned his understanding of the central task of a community, a religious community such as ours here at UCE. He wrote, the central task of the religious community is to unveil the bonds that bind each to all. There is a connectedness, a relationship, discovered amid the particulars of our own lives and the lives of others. Once felt, it inspires us to act for justice. It is the church that assures us that we are not struggling for justice on our own, but as members of a larger community. The religious community is essential. For alone, our vision is too narrow to see all that must be seen and our strength too limited to do all that must be done. Together, our vision widens and our strength is renewed. Now, let us join in this time set apart for renewal and connection. We begin our sacred time together as congregations around the world do by lighting our chalice. As we light our chalice, Alex Pakalski will read the words of Bear W. Kolescu, the hearth of the chalice. Let me start that again. As we light the chalice, may our souls become its hearth. We join our hearts to the one great flame of bright compassion, beloved community, and fervent justice. May we become lanterns to the world, lighting the way for all. With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 1008, When Our Heart is in a Holy Place.
An important part of our community is sharing the joys and sorrows of our lives. If you have a personally significant joy or sorrow, please type it into the chat window at the bottom of the screen where we will be able to see it. I will read them aloud. Your joys and sorrows will be part of our posted recording of the service. If you would not like to have your joy or sorrow available to the public, then indicate that in the chat with the prefix private and then your joy or sorrow. You may also send your joy or sorrow to candles at uce.ca. While you compose your joys and sorrows, please take a moment to reflect upon the joys and sorrows in the life of our community at UCE and in Edmonton, while enjoying some heart music offered by Gordon Ritchie. turned six on February 1st and Sherry is celebrating that today with us by lighting a candle of joy.
Jan is lighting a candle in gratitude that we can see each other singing as we join in on the various hymns during the service. Gloria sends a candle joy and a happy birthday wish to Fergie. Louise lights a candle of joy for the gifts that Gordon shares with us and for the leadership of the congregation during this time of transition. Ashley lights a candle of sorrow and remembrance. It's her mother's first Valentine's Day without her father. Her parents were married for 40 years. Lynn sends a happy birthday message to Fergie. Jane lights a candle of joy for a friend who recently found a job in an area he enjoys. Donna lights a candle of joy and remembrance, wishing everyone a happy Valentine's Day and says, may it be a pleasant one. Bask in the memories of yesterday and yesteryear and be assured there is always next year. Karen adds her happy birthday for Fergie. Oksana and Mike light a candle of joy for a milestone birthday tomorrow for Pauline. And they ask that we help wish her happy birthday. Happy birthday, Pauline. Coralie lights a candle of concern and a desire for good health for two of her dear friends who are currently suffering from serious health issues. Lynn shares a candle of joy and concern. She will have more glaucoma surgery on Tuesday. That's the concern. The joy though is the great support she and care she receives from her friends and relatives, which often includes food. Gerard lights a candle of remembrance and gratitude. He's remembering his beloved Stephen this Valentine's Day, and he's thankful for all the love and support he's received from his spiritual family at UCE. Maureen adds happy birthday wishes to Pauline, or for Pauline. Robert and, Robert and Gordon are lighting a candle of sympathy and condolence for Gerard's first Valentine's Day without his beloved Stephen. Their thoughts and our thoughts are with you. Reverend Audrey lights a candle of concern for the continuing aftermath of COVID for her grandson, Mike. And to those who are still in the same situation, she wishes a speedy recovery. 
Now I light one candle for all the unspoken joys and sorrows held within the sanctuary of our hearts and also for all those who have yet to find a spiritual home where they can share their joys and sorrows. Now that we have lit our candles of connection, I, enjoy, I invite you to enjoy a moment of quiet reflection as you listen to Circle of Stones composed and performed by our very own Gordon Ritchie.
The Apostle Paul, in the Christian scriptures, planted churches in many populated areas by staying in a community for a while, making and selling tents, and discussing philosophical and religious matters with his customers. Once he found people interested in learning more about what he was saying, he would plant a house church, staying with the nascent congregation for a while and eventually moving on. I don't understand how the postal service worked in ancient Greece, but apparently it was common for Paul to receive letters from these congregations asking for his advice on one thing or another. The first and second readings this morning come from the first letter we have in which Paul wrote to the congregation in Corinth about what it means to be a community. Fear not, I have made slight adaptations to the text to make it more pleasant to Unitarian Universalist ears. Alex Polkowski will now read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. <clears throat> now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same spirit of life that activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit of life for the common good to no one is given through, uh, sorry. Um, to do, sorry, I've lost the spot. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit of life for the common good. To one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of of spirits to another various kinds of languages to another the interpretation of languages all of these are activated by the one and the same spirit who allots the who allots to each of each one individually just as the spirit chooses i will now read first corinthians chapter 12 verses 12 through 26. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with the spirit of life. For in the one spirit, we were all brought into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? 
But as it is, the spirit of life arranged the members in the body, each one of them as it chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. On those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this extra treatment. But the spirit of life has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. The final reading this morning comes from Teresa of Avila, a Spanish noblewoman who felt called the convent life as a Carmelite nun in the Catholic Church. She was a religious reformer, author, theologian of contemplative life, and of mental prayer. And 400 years after her death, was recognized as a doctor of the church, which is a title given to saints in the Catholic Church, recognized as having made a significant contribution to theology or doctrine through their research, study, and writing. Once again, I've adapted her words for Unitarian Universalist ears. Alex Pakowski will read, The Spirit of Life Has No Body. I believe Alex is having some technical problems. Do you mind reading that, Reverend Leanne? That's fine. The spirit of life has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Your eyes are the eyes through which the spirit of life looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which the spirit of life walks to do good. Yours are the hand through which the spirit of life blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are the spirit of life's body. The spirit of life has no body now on earth but yours. Today is February 14th, Valentine's Day. This well-known lover's holiday has been mercilessly promoted by Hallmark and the purveyors of flowers, cards, chocolates, and by restaurateurs. 
If you are in a relationship on Valentine's Day, so ingrained in Western culture is this commercial holiday that if you don't participate in the festivities, you are likely to find yourself single again shortly thereafter. And of course, if you are without a romantic interest on Valentine's Day, you are left to wallow in your cups. Though my cynicism is seeping out a bit here, I do wish joy and exquisite pleasure to all of you who are taking this opportunity to celebrate your good fortune in finding a partner or mate with whom you are compatible. It is never wrong to take a moment to appreciate those whom you love and to show affection for them. So happy Valentine's Day. I do, however, want to point us in another direction for the remainder of this service. There is a particular kind of love that we can celebrate on Valentine's Day, which points not to the romantic, but to the intentional decision to be in community with others, to agape love. Agape is a Greek word and a Greek concept. In the Christian scriptures, agape love is the highest form of love. It contrasts with eros, which is exotic, erotic love, and philia, which is brotherly love, and storga, which is family love. Agape is considered God's unconditional divine love for all humankind. Now, for a discussion of the beloved community, you might think that I would choose to explore philia, brotherly love. But no, I don't think so. On the website, Religion and Race, a United Methodist project aimed at supporting and resourcing diverse faith communities in the work of racial equity, anti-racism, and intersectional justice making, they make the bold, and I think correct, claim that Dr. King's beloved community exhibits agape love, described as the love of God operating in the human heart, which seeks to preserve and create community. Having contemplated the verses from 1 Corinthians and the quote from Teresa of Avila, I realized that if there's going to be any expression of agape or divine love in the world, it will have to come from us. If we are ever to achieve the beloved community, we human beings will have to be the expression of the characteristics associated with agape love. As an aside, this is, by the way, the essence of humanism. Humanism in its traditional meaning is not a synonym for atheism. Humanism as a concept was developed during the Renaissance in a Christian context to distinguish those who wait upon divine action to improve humankind's condition from those who embrace humankind's ability to improve its own condition. Humanism answers the question, who has primary agency to make changes in the world, the divine or the human? Getting back to agape love, it has a multitude of nuances in its uses within the context of Christian scripture and in the context of ancient Greek culture. C.S. Lewis, a British writer and lay theologian, author of among other things, the Screw Tape Letters, The Chronicles of Narnia, and Mere Christianity, uses agape in another of his written works, The Four Loves, 
to describe what he believes is the highest level of love known to humanity, a selfless love that is passionately committed to the well-being of others. For sure, the beloved community is made up of individuals who, as the Apostle Paul noted, are joined together by the same spirit, which I'm suggesting is the spirit of life expressing itself through us human beings who ourselves are manifesting within our community the spirit of agape love. Religion and race offers 25 ways in which the beloved community manifests and protects agape love as its guiding principle. Now, as you use, it's important for us to be able to hear the truth and the messages of other faiths without recoiling and missing the wisdom because of language. So I have not adopted or adapted the language to Unitarian Universalist sensibilities. Instead, I invite you to substitute spirit, spirit of life, or spirit of love when you hear the word God. Here are the 25 ways as written by Dr. Arthur E. Wright on behalf of the United Methodist Church. These are the ways that we can manifest beloved community, which offers radical hospitality to everyone, an inclusive family rather than an exclusive club. It recognizes and honors the image of God in every human being which exhibits personal authenticity, true respect, and validation of others, which offers recognition and affirmation, not eradication of differences, which listens emotionally with the heart and fosters empathy and compassion for others, which tolerates ambiguity, realizes that sometimes a clear-cut answer is not readily available, which builds increasing levels of trust and works to avoid fear of difference and others, which acknowledges conflict or pain in order to work on difficult issues, which speaks truth and love, always considering ways to be compassionate with one another, which avoids physical aggression and verbal abuse, which resolves conflicts peacefully without violence, recognizing that peacefully doesn't always mean comfortably for everyone, which releases resentment and bitterness through self-purification, that is avoidance of internal violence through spiritual, physical, and psychological care. which focuses energy on removing unjust systems, not destroying persons. Which offers unyielding persistence and unwavering commitment to justice, which achieves friendship and understanding through negotiation, compromise, or consensus, considering each circumstance to discern which will be most helpful which righteously opposes and takes direct action against poverty, hunger, and homelessness, which advocates thoroughgoing extensive neighborhood revitalization without displacement, 
which blends faith and action to generate a commitment to defeating injustice, which encourages and embraces artistic expressions of faith from diverse perspectives, which fosters dynamic and active spirituality, which gathers together regularly for table fellowship and meets the needs of everyone in the community, which relies on various religious writings, prayer, and corporate worship for inner strength, which promotes human rights and works to create a non-racist society, and finally, which shares power and acknowledges the inescapable network of mutuality among the human family. I don't know about you, but many of the 25 ways resonated with me were like our seven principles, were like our six sources, and were like some of the conversations that I have taken part in since joining UCE. The congregation in Corinth had questions about how to live together in beloved community. They wanted to know how to rank themselves by importance to the church community. This mattered to them for communal meals so that the appropriate members were honored in the seating arrangement. Paul replied in a way that certainly must have surprised them. He began with the statement that there are very varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same spirit of life, which activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit of life for the common good. Paul would not hear of the community elevating some members or dismissing other members on the basis of their respective worth to the community. Paul shared in our commitment to promote the worth and dignity of each member of the Corinth church that he planted. He insisted that for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with the spirit of life. So it is with the beloved community. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And he extended that metaphor of the congregation in Corinth as being a body or the spirit of life as being a body and discuss the fact that the body needs everyone. You can't discard the hand or the foot or the eye or the ear and still have a fully functioning body. And if the body is missing some aspect, it is incumbent on us as other members of the body to provide support and love and care. Because when one part of the body is hurting, all parts of the body, the whole is hurting. 
Paul is explaining that each of us is an integral part of the beloved community and that rather than dismiss or denigrate people for their needs, we do our best to meet those needs. As we strive to embody the beloved community, let us remember Paul's final use of the metaphor of the human body to make his point. The spirit of life has so arranged the body that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. This Valentine's Day, let's embody agape love, offering to others a wondrous love that heals, uplifts, and offers hope. With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 18, What Wondrous Love. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. Generosity is a spiritual practice, one that enlarges the heart and lightens the spirit. For no matter how much or how little we have, 
In the sharing of it, both the one who gives and the one who receives are blessed. We are a self-governing and self-supporting community. We rely on your donations to support our staff and offer our programs. Now more than ever, we need your financial support. Please visit our website at uce.ca to find the donation method that best suits you. For the month of February, we encourage you to also support iHuman Youth Society. Please visit their website for more information about them. With mics muted, please join in singing from You I Receive Him Number 402. Before we bring our time together to a close, I'd like to recognize and thank those who have made this time together possible. Our host and greeters, Susan Rutan, our slide creator and slide runner, Karen Belita, our reader, Alex Bukowski, our breakout rooms, Gloria Krenbrek, our service recorder, Karen Belita. I'd like to end with this blessing. A blessing for all of us at UCE. And also a charge for how we should be together at UCE and when we're out in the world, sharing ourselves and our faith with others. May we be all in for beloved community. May we be all in despite the challenges. May we be all here for beloved community. May we be ready for the beauty because we long for the possibilities. May we say yes, we are here for beloved community. May we see the beauty of each other in community. May we be the beauty of beloved community. May we be the dream together. As we go through our days, may we embody the beloved community we seek. As we go through our weeks, as we meet others, and as we consider what is our spiritual gift to offer the community? As we extinguish our chalice, Alex Bukowski will read the work we share written by Krista Tavis.
I'm not hearing Alex. So I will read the chalice extinguishing. It is our work shared with each other in covenant that creates and sustains this beloved community. We extinguish, extinguish this chalice, but its light lives on in the directions we have chosen to take today. The light of this faith lives on in us together, in our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. Amen and blessed be. Please join in singing the closing song, Carry the Flame. our worship service this morning. Now is the time to take a short comfort break, get a cup of coffee, and watch our weekly announcements as they slide by. In a few minutes, you will have an opportunity to find out more about the new direction for UCE. Depending on the length of our discussion, we may or may not then break out into coffee conversation groups. We'll just have to see how this plays out 